0: Hello and welcome back to the Cave Escape Podcast. I'm Ashton Goolsby,
1: And this is Kale
0: Groves. And we have with us here today the president of New College Franklin, uh, Mr. Greg Wilber, here to help us with our continued dis- uh, discussion of the-, the liberal arts, trying to look into classical education. So last time we talked about uh, our understanding of the trivium, the the grammar, the logic, and rhetoric stages, which are the ones that t- typically most people have heard about But today we wanted to look more into the quadrivium with the help of mr wilbur here um so beginning off i guess we should jump in what is the quadrivium uh the quadrivium is typically broken down into four four arts they are arithmetic geometry cosmology and harmonia and we're gonna we're gonna walk through these in more depth but Briefly, I, um, the, the way I've heard it is arithmetic is number, geometry is number in space, uh, harmonia is number in time, and cosmology is number in time and space. Is is that correct?
1: Remembering? Yeah, that's one way to go <laughs> right here. Yeah. Uh, thank you, first off, for, for having me on your, your podcast. Thank it's you for coming. A, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. glad to be here. Uh, this of course, one of my favorite things to talk about, so uh, any any chance to be able to talk about the Gladiator River? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one way to think about it in terms of... of, um, of progression of the four and so you're adding a different concept or adding a different element um, between the, the four disciplines the four arts of the quadrivium I think one of the things though um, in um, I think it's the theology of arithmetic um, book. one of the things I think in, in the intro it talks about the fact that when we think about for example the the symbolism of the understanding or the the inherent qualities of the first ten numbers that we shouldn't think of those sequentially but we should think of those as a collection which i, I found that very helpful with regards to a number of different things so in in some ways yes there are there are um parts of the arts and the disciplines that that lead one to another at the same time arithmetic, geometry, music, astronomy, are uh, more of a collection of disciplines. Just as there is an interworking between grammar, logic, and rhetoric as well, I mm-hmm. And so I think you, know, you see some of those natural uh, connections between things like um, you know arithmetic and music are discrete. Geometry and um, astronomy are continuous. But there's also a close relationship between arithmetic and geometry as there is a very close relationship between music and astronomy, or as you, as you said, harmonia and cosmology, which um, I, I use both terms, some for understanding sake and some for the, the greater idea. I, I think you're correct in that you know, our understanding of music and astronomy is um, pigeonholed into more of, of um, contemporary ideas of what that means. Which would be different than a medieval would have thought with regards to how music and astronomy are part of the quadrivium. So, having that fuller sense of harmony by calling it harmonia, or a fuller sense of astronomy and calling it cosmology, makes a lot of sense. But even then, we were just having a discussion before the show started about what's the final one? Was it you know is it is it cosmology or <laughs> right. or is it harmonia? Yeah. And and there and there's a reason there because there's so much overlap. Same thing with arithmetic and geometry. Um and so there is that, there's that sense of flow between the four at the same time there's also a, a very real sense in which um you know if you think more three dimensionally that those four are entry ways or entry um, um points of of looking at something from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. I think you could say that's true with all the seven level arts how how they integrate and, and how they work together
0: okay hmm. um so with uh with that that um we're gonna go through now and kind of try to hit on kind of briefly what what is each one just kind of give a brief description of it and ne- next time we're gonna uh will up mr wilbur with us talk talk more about the 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 bigger picture what what do they go to more of w- what are what is the point of studying them but for now we're going to try to go through briefly each one and kind of talk um uh, about what they are so the first one we have uh it's arithmetic um so num- number, uh, the understanding uh, would be that num- number is kind of the basis of everything, the created order. So we study number first, uh, and I know we we did it, uh, Caleb and I did it with yeah, Euclid's elements, kind of comparing line length to line length, mm-hmm. and seeing not just, it's not just an understanding of two plus two is four, but what even, what is two? and. How does it equal to four? I remember uh, we, we actually began, it uh, was my sophomore year in arithmetic, discussing um, Euclid's first definition in uh, book seven is what is an unit? And for that, he just says a unit is that by virtue of which each of the things that exist is called one. I remember we, we, we actually argued about it for like an hour. <laughs> well, we, we spent three days on it. We spent three days on it. We spent three days on it with Mr. Oh Spine. Oh my gosh! What 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 is what is a unit? And so that that was we kept coming back to that conversation for the rest of the year. Yeah. Because, we 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 just learned in elementary school two plus two is four, one plus one is two, but actually. A, you have a group of I don't know like thirteen college students in a room <laughs> that couldn't tell you what one was and it was yeah it yes. it's a beautiful thing <laughs> yeah. so all, all things in the the physical world are are built off of number so, so we we study it first because it's it's the one that we need to understand to be able to understand the other ones would you would you say that is fair?
1: Uh, yes and I think one of the things to recognize too is is that when we You know when you said two plus two equals four, uh, but what you're actually describing is a relationship.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and and it's not. uh, And I think part of part of the difficulty that we have in in how to think about these things is that we look at numbers um, by use of uh, Arabic numerals, Mm -hmm. which are very helpful with regards to adding, subtracting, doing commerce. Mm -hmm. You know, and and we have so when we see you know, a four, you know, we, we, we see a particular symbol for four, you know. Um, we don't see the relationships of what four is comprised of. Mm. And so, especially when the Greeks were talking about a number, um, they used a system of pips of dots. And mm. so such that, you know, when you're talking about when you're talking about three, you have a pyramid, you know, a dot at the top, two dots at the bottom. You have an equilateral triangle. And mm-hmm. which represents the idea of threeness or a triad. Mm-hmm. But it also means that you look at three and you can see that three is, com- is um, comprised of one and two. Mm-hmm. And that each of those pips are in relationship to the other two. Mm-hmm. And so you see that, that three is not just an independent idea unto itself, but that is also um, inherent with oneness and twoness the monad and the dyad to the triad mm. it's interesting I,
0: I hadn't thought of that that's, that, <laughs> that's, that's one thing because um, my fourth graders the, they do Saxon math mm. and I've, I've got a, I've got several that are mathematically they're mathematically inclined so they, they want to do it all in their heads mm-hmm. and Saxon a lot of times will give them problems that it says draw this out in a diagram and the only the only thing it's asking them to do is take this multiplication equation or whatever it is and draw it out with those those little dots and they hate doing them and it's yeah. It's one of those I, I I got visualizing, but that that to me now makes it seem even like
1: I should harp on them even more. <laughs> <that>. Right, this <laughs> is <Well>, more important. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things you realize is that three is is a um, um, is a triangular number, mm-hmm. and and the next you know we talk about square numbers, but we don't right. talk about triangular numbers. Interesting. And Maybe a, a square a square number. The first square number is four, right? Because it's Two and two, two and two, it but it's it's shape. one, two, three, four, dots, pips, that make a square. Yeah. yeah. And so the next square number is nine because you add another dot on each side, so you mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. you have three dots, right, which makes a square. So with a triangular number, you have one, two, three, and then if you add three more at the bottom, <laughs> the next triangular number is six. <laughs> and the next triangular number is 10. Because 10 is comprised of mm-hmm. 4, 3, 2, and 1. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Your face, scale, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, because of that, because the decad then has inherent in that all the relationships of the monad, the dyad, the triad, and, and all those th- then build upon each other to have the, the sense of what, what comprises that number. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so and so and then you begin to see the interrelationships between the numbers themselves. You know, it's, it's such that it, it's, um, what relationship does 2 have with a number such that when you add them together, you get 5? Well, 3. But we just think 2 plus 3 is 5.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: 5 minus 3 is, two, you know. But those, those those have a particular aspect of relationship. Only I mean, one of the cool things like with 6, 1, um, one plus 2 plus 3 equals 6, one mm-hmm. times two times three equals six. It's the only number that works that way. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, this is not just like, hey, these are fun little math tricks. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but that's, that's kind of the inherent aspect of what those numbers... I mean, for, for me, I mean, without getting into this sounding like numerology or something, um, first time I read Augustine's on oh. christian Teaching, he was talking about aspects of number and the meaning of number. And... I'm thinking, okay, here's one of the great church fathers, one of the foundations for so much of our thinking, philosophy, theology, et cetera. And he's talking about the meaning of numbers. Is he just out there, or is this really, mm-hmm. you know, this, does this have some sort of inherent kind of understanding that we've just kind of passed over one way or the other? So that kind of at least opened the idea to me of, like, okay, what does this look like? And then I was reading a dictionary of biblical symbolism. And uh, well, not reading a dictionary. I was. <laughs> yes, you I were. was looking up things in the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> but but realizing that in scripture, uh, how numbers are used and their meanings in scripture is also consistent with uh, other sources, ancient sources of the understanding of number. It's like okay, so so there's also there's a um, there's a biblical precedent for this as well. Mm-hmm. And so you know, beginning to then look at that is like okay, this is not. You know, this is not something on which to build theology, but it's something that's very interesting to add to that. For example, mm-hmm. when you start winding up with, uh, you know, discussions of the um, proportions, uh, the numbers utilized in the construction of Noah's Ark, mm. um, which is essentially three to five, is the same as the proportions in the construction of the Ark of the Covenant.
0: Whoa.
1: Interesting. And so you've got you, you've got that consistency there of of just as noah's ark uh was a vessel to save noah and his family mm-hmm. and um, animals and to restart creation um with with the ark of the covenant you've got this um, um within the holiest of holies the meeting place the mercy seat of where god and man met and all the symbolism that comes from that with word uh, sacrament and um uh, in prayer, with the various instrument, uh, the elements around the in within the the Ark of the Covenant, but you see that aspect there of the of the three and five, mm. which are both prime numbers, uh, which are both um, Fibonacci number. I mean, there's all these other things that then entail. Mm. So, which is also means it is close to the idea of the golden ratio, mm. right. which means that um, a lot of, when you look at medieval cathedrals, um, which some often people talk about them being built on golden ratio. Uh, it may be that they're more actually accurately built on that same proportion of three to five, that the nave, the navel, the arc of a, of a church is associated with the idea of salvation, of being separated from the world, of being uh, before the presence of God in, in the context of worship. So, you, so it's not just this um, um, playing with numbers idea, but how numbers then relate to one another. I mean, this is far more interesting than just learning math facts. Mm-hmm. yeah and you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know no, no it does lead to that it has to be practical uh, but it, it is interesting though to see you know the rise of of um of mercantilism uh, which was also the importing of the ideas of um, of abrick uh, numerals for for business practice um was associated with aspects of travel and moving about between nations which was also associated with um yeah, mercenaries and thieves and languages and so forth, and all of these things with regards to travel, messages, language, um, spices, so forth, um, are all kind of inherent in um, um, in the ideas of of, um, of ancient worship of Mercury. Because he was the
0: merchant god,
1: languages, yeah, and travel and yeah. Uh, so not to get really weird there, but I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, once again, we kind of it's like, well, how does that how does that interplay when 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 numbers become um, merely useful as opposed to being seen as um, part of the language of God's creation? Mm-hmm. You know, we we begin to begin to see them and use them in different, in different kind of ways and yeah. manipulate them and um, in various ways. So. I mean that's that's a long way around the block on that one, but anyway, <laughs> but just kind of open up the idea that that numbers can have uh, potentially this this uh, this richness to them and mm. an understanding of the relationships one to another, and then that becomes you know, more the foundation of arithmetic. Yes, you utilize those numbers and the relationship between those numbers and understand those relationships between those numbers with regards to you know what we would consider math facts, but it's so much more than that, which then leads to you know geometry um and i think you know, part of the part of the beauty of geometry is being able to um to see those relationships mm-hmm. um on the on the page and of course uh, you know as it, as it um spoke two right of, of euclid which is basically the drawing of algebraic formula but you see it in well mm-hmm. yeah you yeah. you see it in in shapes is relationships between these shapes or these lines as opposed to here's these very basic um, formulas that you need to memorize mm-hmm. I remember the first time I worked through book one of Euclid and uh, uh, what prop 47 is the um, is the Pythagorean theorem yeah Uh-oh. and <laughs> well and you know <laughs> in, in geometry class it's like you know a squared plus B squared equals C squared mm-hmm. memorize it okay here you know if the hypotenuse is this long and this side is this long how long is the other side plug the numbers in you get the number of voila yeah, right. you know this is so exciting <laughs> But <laughs> But when you realize I mean, when you worked all the way through Euclid book 1 to the point of proposition 47 and you realize that the relationship that the Pythagorean uh, theorem describes is actually the relationship of three squares. Yeah. <laughs> because because a squared is the formula. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I didn't take <laughs> geometry. <Yeah. laughs> oh, that's
0: right, you missed yeah. it out.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. so a squared is the formula for the uh, for the area of a square. B squared is the formula of a different square. C squared is the formula of a different square. And mm. those Whoa. those squares have a particular relationship between them, such that their sides have this um, have this correspondence of, of relationship, mm. which is equal to um, figuring out that way. But then you realize that this is, has has so many more other implications. I was I was teaching my daughter um, uh, slope intercept formula on um, uh, for for graphs, mm-hmm. and there was this formula she was supposed to memorize, and we were working through that, and we realized, wait a minute, we're talking about the Pythagorean theorem again. You know, which, <laughs> we're in a grid. You know, it, right. it doesn't it doesn't have to be so complicated. Now that you're talking about a grid, now you have to use this whole formula here. It's the same idea, and so when you understand why. Uh, when you understand that pi is not just this made-up kind of idea, mm-hmm. but there is a an actual relationship of twenty-two to seven, which is inherent in um, any circle, mm-hmm. you know that becomes a very different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you see from and when you start getting into the dimensions as well, uh, with regards to um, a point which has no you know, that which has no part, so it has zero dimensions, to adding a line to one dimension, so mm-hmm. it, that you're adding, adding the points, adding the dimensions, dimensionality. And uh, and then seeing those things come to come to fruition, that's that's really cool. I mean that, and being there's something very satisfying about drawing those things, and and to prove those things in a very visual way. Uh, one of the things though that you'd leave that you, you with, with, from arithmetic, arithmetic, or you introduce in geometry is the idea of the continuous though, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things uh, in terms of um, where current mathematical instruction may get off course. I think we introduced the idea of a number line way too early.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because when you start, when you introduce a number line, you're immediately talking about the continuous. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so there was, there, was a, there was a, and that also happened at that same time as mercantilism, the idea of subsuming um, the discrete into the continuous. And so you no longer mm-hmm. are you talking about the idea of oneness. One is now just a mark on an infinite number line. Right. And you know, yeah. and that has no greater or lesser sense of, of uh, inherent um, nature than one point zero 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 one, or one point zero zero one, or one point mm. one. I mean, those are all just those are all just stopping points on this on this continuity, mm. um, which is very useful and it's part of the the inherent right. aspect of geometry. But that's separate from arithmetic. And we've lost that idea. I mean, we bring that into arithmetic. And so we, uh, the, so we don't have that same kind of, 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 um, of definition between the two. But then with geometry, as I said, you, you get, you, once again, you see those relationships, those ratios, the idea of the proportions and, and uh, the beauty that is inherent there, um, which leads then to understanding of what does that look like um, from a sonic sense. I
0: mm-hmm. mean,
1: those, those ratios and proportions you can put into sound. And mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. sound like something. Um, or right. architects do the same thing, and they create buildings. Or as, yeah. you know, you know, because um, <coughs> Alberti said that, you know, for for proportional buildings, we need to borrow the um, the harmonious relationships of music.
0: That mm-hmm. that that
1: which sounds beautiful and harmonious is also uh, works harmoniously and beautifully with regards to architecture. So you see, once again, kind of that that interplay. Um, and, you know, you know, these are idea, uh, These are ideas that we. Um, dismiss or kind of uh or you know think are quaint but these are also the same ideas which influence so much of design Mm -hmm. whether it's product design or advertising or graphic Mm. design um the same ideas with regards to architecture Mm. um what makes a piece of music satisfying right uh what makes even like a poem or the pacing of a short story or a movie i mean all these things are inherent with the idea of relationships of of um of space and time and proportion that that are that are consistent. Anyway, so you know, so with music, then we have this opportunity from the vertical sense with regards to the harmonies, and the horizontal sense from note to note, of what the what do these relationships sound like, um, and what is harmonious. And one of the things that we realize too early on is that these relationships and these notes are inherent in creation itself. Hmm. Know, right. when, when you when you uh, pluck a string, it creates an overtone series, mm-hmm. of the harmonics, which is the octave, yeah. which is the fifth, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the third. These, you know, these are the building blocks of, of music. So not just that we've arbitrarily chosen these notes or this scale, um, but there's a reason for that, that is built within the natural way in which sound works. So now we've gone from the
0: arithmetic to the geometry mm-hmm. to, to the music, but it, they all... They're all still interconnected, right? Yeah, I've almost not number. even noticed your transitions. Yeah, <laughs> but that's part of my, that part, partly wanted to clarify. We've we've moved right like, almost seamlessly between the first three already. So mm-hmm. we've gone from arithmetic to geometry, which is you said the the continuation of number, the continuous, mm-hmm. and now we're we're moving on to and the music
1: and the and the or the um the relationship with, uh, with uh, regards to form too, three dimensional form. You're moving into aspects of dimensionality as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, you can talk about timing and dimensionality, you know, with music as well, right. which is, which is, you know, in, in essence, the idea of taking dominion over, um, over sound and, mm. and over time. Um, mm. but I mean, there's a the physicality to that. We've been talking in harmonia this, this past semester, just there's the physical nature of sound, um, what that does, how we react to that, how it causes physical reaction, you know, right. and that it, um, um, you know, it can be measured in certain ways. It has certain effects. But th- there's, well, I mean, one, of the th- one of the things we talked about with regards to um, the nature of sound, a sound wave, just one, one repetition of a sound wave, our, our hearing threshold is, is 20 hertz on the low mm-hmm. end, when you're young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But at 20 hertz, uh, one, uh, one cycle of a sound wave, the sound wave itself, is, um, is seven, over 17 meters long. Mm. I mean, there's a, wow. a, a, you know, a physicality, which is why, you know, when you want particular notes um, out of an organ, you have to have different size pipes, uh, right. which is why you have keys on a flute because it lengthens or shortens how the column of air that blows through the pipe, uh, which is why you have frets on a guitar or mm-hmm. place your fingers on the, um, um, the, the neck of a violin. I mean, that, that changes the length of the string. It changes the length of the pipe. Mm. It, um, it changes the way and the nature in which... Mm. The sound is generated, um, and there's, so there's a very, very scientific aspect of that um, with regards to the number of relationships to those numbers, and then those things which are harmonious um, and not just arbitrary in terms of culture, but because it's it's kind of built into the very nature and physics of sound, um, which then can then also describe other relationships. So you know, what we were we were chatting before of how um, with a with a graph. You know, you can depict a, um, a sound wave, um, but, it, but with, in, in, with, with different waves, you can show where they would coincide. Um, but you could also use that same type of graph to show how the gears in a um, motor or engine or a clock <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and a clock, how they, um, how they, where they, where they touch, and so you know where those, uh, where those sinusoidal uh, repetition waves intersect. That's where you have a connecting point in these gears, and so you have this also complex way in which you can show how the intersection of these points. Um, can be shown in a graph form, which is consistent with what we look at when we look at aspects of sound, which can also be transferred to the idea of where's the moon mm-hmm. as it cycles the earth, where's the earth as it cycles the sun, where's the other planets. So that you know, if you look at um, look at the solar system almost like gearworks, you see these periodic repetitions, uh, which are aspects of aspects of a rhythm, aspects of a harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, right. which is you know part of what the um, the ancient art of astronomy um, was seeking to understand you even got things like, like the, the Antikythra antikythera mechanism and
0: astrolabe and other things mm-hmm. that sought to actually like the the stuff you all had to build in cosmology out of the legos the
1: orreries yeah you yeah know, it,
0: it builds the gears are built off of that to represent those mm-hmm. higher motions mm-hmm. right but with the math worked out in that
1: harmonious way Right, and so and, and the, that can be translated into song, or the, or, or seen mm-hmm. as a harmoniousness. Um, and I think one of the things too you recognize with um, the quadrivial art of music, it's not just heard music. In Boethius, in his book on music, Principles of Music, I mean, he talks about the three form aspects of music, uh, whether it's cosmic, like we were just talking about, or instrumentalis, which was you know what what you would hear or what you would play, or actually the ethical quality of music because it's music in relationship or with regards to uh, the psychic or the personal, the spiritual, the, the music of man, the, the soulish aspect of what music is. And so there's, you know, there's three different aspects of the study of what harmony is, which is what, going back to why we you know, say harmonia as opposed to just music. Mm-hmm. Because you can just as easily talk about, um, uh, with regards to harmony, what, um, what is your daily schedule? How much sleep do you mm-hmm. get? You know? mm-hmm. um, with regards to relationships, are you living at peace? Uh, with one another, as Scripture talks about. Well, why does mm-hmm. Paul continue to use harmony as an image?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because I think there's a there's a correspondence there between the idea of harmony and of peace, of shalom, the rightness of things, the way things were meant to be, or, and of justice. Um, and that harmony is not um, not in the Greek sense of holding things in balance, um, but more in the Hebraic sense of holding things in tension. Hmm. So, I mean, an example of... I think I've used again and again, it's like mm-hmm. it's it's if God is just, all just, and he's all merciful, you don't want to shave off some of his justice and some of his mercy to balance those as some sort of <laughs> equation. I mean, he is wholly just mm-hmm. and wholly merciful, and to hold those things in tension is harmony. Whoa.
0: Mm-hmm. I have not heard that. that I think I, I think I heard you say it once a long time ago.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but 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 then think of the implications of that in terms of in terms of others, not just theologically, um, but just in terms of relationships. Of I you mean, know, it's not just a matter of compromise. It's it's how do you how do you hold things in tension in a way that is um, um, is something that brings peace. Mm. I mean, true peace, not not just in the sense of of, of lack of conflict, mm. um, but in the true sense of of of. Um, the way things are meant to be, the true sense of mm-hmm. rest. and then apply that then to, I mean, how, how that looks with regards to um, uh, you know the implications of that to um, study of cosmology in in the in the broadest sense. And you know, the the, the world, the the cosmos is upheld by the word um, of mm. Christ, power that it is logo centric, um, that is that it is um, um, integrated with the idea of the peace that comes from the blood of the cross, that. Um, christ came to redeem the cosmos um, as well as individuals you know that th- there's a redemption that is that is cosmic in its scope mm. um and that it's a is a redeeming of that harmony of that sense of order i mean i think you know we use the idea of harmony again and again you know you talk about uh, uh if your car needs a repair you go into a shop and get a tune-up right you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. you're getting you're getting it retuned you know like mm-hmm. you would an instrument you know um that um, um, you, you know, if you're dating someone, you know, make beautiful music together you know, the idea <laughs> of, of, of uh, dancing, or that, or that um, uh, you know, I resonate with your idea. You know, that's mm-hmm. a musical yeah. term. You know, um, that we 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 have that idea of <clears throat> harmony, which is pervasive. Uh, we just don't think of it in the same kind of idea, the same kind of terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all those, I mean, that's so, so. The study of all these things inherent with regards to number, the language of number, the, the um, God-spoken creation. Mm-hmm. And this this has a means of discovery in, in Romans Romans one as well, that the, you know God has revealed Himself in the, in his, even His individual visible attributes and His power in the things that He has made, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that the quadrivium gets more at that um, than I think almost anything else. It's not it's not the idea that, um, you know. Of a, a volcanic eruption is powerful, and God is powerful, and you know the um, the sunset is majestic, and God is majestic. Right. I mean, I think that's that's a simplistic sense of that, mm-hmm. um, but but the inner workings, the very inner workings of how the cosmos came into being, how it exists, how it is sustained by the Word of Christ's power, yeah. is indicative and a display of uh, the invisible attributes and character of who God is. And so the quadrivium then becomes an entry point into, um, into that, into very much a theological and philosophical pursuit.
0: That was okay. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a lot more complicated than initially. You might just think when you see the, the four stages, there's, there's, it's, it's much much right. deeper meaning in it than just it's we're studying. Math, science, and music. But even, even like, because <laughs> right. like, um, we were talking last time about kind of Dorothy Sayers' Lost Tools of Learning, uh, the way she put it out, and even... Um, over reading Wisdom and Eloquence uh, I had to read recently for work but kind of them seeing it more as you have the three trivium that, that are more of like the preparation to learn the other four and the other four are just subjects in their uh, instead of seeing that that almost seems to see it more they're, they're independent their own kind of spheres of learning versus I mean the way even you you just went through the four almost, almost like a cohesive Oh, well, they're not, they're not just separate spheres of just existence. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very much all seven of the arts are connected in the right. Yes. But.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it, you know it's interesting that um, you know whatever source and there are multiple sources that uh, they kind of put the quadrivium either on the back shelf or, um, on the bottom shelf. Or <laughs> or in another not room, not room sure. you know yeah. <laughs> um, you know, at the same time, there is the need and the necessity um, to teach math and science mm-hmm. with regards to mm-hmm. state or high school graduation requirements or college entrance requirements. <laughs> right. and And you know there's this sense of you need you know you have to have fine arts or some sort of mm-hmm. elective, and so you teach a, teach a music class or something. Um, but it's so so we give a nod to it. Mm-hmm. but we don't embrace it in a truly classical sense, that we're not mm-hmm. seeing those, uh, those four arts as a completed whole of the seven-level arts, this classical seven liberal arts. the classical seven-level arts. The necessity for all seven of those um, that, that should be an integrated aspect of, of, um, of someone's education and, and how, those, how those work together and how those build together mm-hmm. um, and how those, um, um, how those interrelate. Um, I think we've lost a lot of that, which makes me a little concerned. Just you know, the the recovery of the quadrivium has been slower mm-hmm. than the trivium. There's a lot more interest, and in, we've been getting folks together to uh, to push that along here the last year or so uh, in terms of conversation and and projects and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, I, I think that the longer the longer we wait to have a fully integrated aspect of the seven arts, the more we risk. Classical education experiment to to deviate from where it actually should be, um, with regards to how all seven would integrate together, and that's mm. that's more of what
0: um, <clears throat> Mr. Wilber's going to be with us next week as well. That's part of what we wanted to talk to you more about next time is the importance of why do we need all seven? What 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 is the purpose of, what what is the bigger meaning behind studying them? But also why. Why are the last four particularly important? Because uh, they were no- noting last time was the the three. Every you do classical conversations, you go to a classical school. You you know the the grammar, logic, and rhetoric. You've heard those, but most people, as as I'm increasingly learning, don't know about the last four. And if they do, they don't necessarily see the importance of them. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. <clears throat> so that's a brief overview of th- This is kind of an introduction to the quadrivium. Um, kind of the four stages we've got there, the arithmetic, the geometry, the harmonia or music, and the cosmology, or what we call it, usually astronomy now. Um, and next, next time, Mr. Wilbur will be with us again, and we will discuss more of what, what does it look like, what, why are they so important, what, what do they point us toward, why are they worth studying. So thank, thank you once again for listening. Uh, tune in next week, we'll have more good things for you then, hopefully. Take care.